What if I told you that you could be profitable in your business or really in anything in your life if you just simply work smarter and not harder? Or what if I told you that you could work less and still be profitable in your business and in your life? Well, today, my guest is going to help us to better understand why working smarter and not harder is the way to go. In fact, our topic for today is how to increase your business profitability by focusing on what's truly important. We're going to learn what's truly important so that we can work a little bit less and still be profitable and successful in our endeavors. This is going to be a great episode. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Maximizer Brand Podcast. So excited to be with you again this week. You've been rocking with me for quite some time, and I'm so appreciative that you listen in, you tune in, you watch the live streams, you go to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, and you subscribe, and you consume the content that I create each week. So I'm so grateful. Well, today we're going to be talking to our guest today by the name of Byron Wolf, and he's going to help us as budding entrepreneurs, as those of us who are small business owners. He's going to talk to us about working smarter and not harder in our business while still being profitable. And so let's go ahead and introduce him. Byron's gift for translating the complexities of business financial principles with a focus on small businesses into easily understood communication has made him one of the most highly sought after financial and business consultants. He is the founder of CFOAF, a financial services and business consulting firm specializing in industries ranging from construction to crypto. Byron is Chief Financial Officer for an Inc. 5000 company and is the fractional CFO of various companies with annual revenues from $3 to $25 million. His certification in crypto, NFT, and the metaverse space has led to many projects with DAOs and crypto companies, and he is considered one of the first experts in crypto tax strategy. Hey. We've never talked about crypto at all on this podcast, so maybe we'll get a little insight on that as well. So we're going to go ahead and bring in our guest, Mr. Byron Wolf. Byron, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Maximize Your Brand podcast. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. Thank you for having me. Excited to to do the show and and, uh, and get to to speak with you 
Uh, I got to tell you, that may have been the best intro I've ever <laughs> seen video clip. Like, that was awesome. Like, what a great, great intro. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I always let my guests introduce themselves as well, even though I gave a brief uh, introduction for you. But go ahead and let us know a little bit more about how you show up in the world each and every day. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So I uh, started off in business, um, you know, I'm a horrible, horrible employee, uh, as many entrepreneurs are. Uh, and so I said, well, I might as well go into business for myself, because at least if I get fired, I'm, I'm the one firing myself. So uh, I started, built some companies, uh, was able to exit some of those, really enjoyed it. Through that process, um, you know, I went ahead and got my degree, uh, then went for the CPA, uh, mainly because that's kind of my family history. I've got multiple CPAs and attorneys in the uh, in the family lineage. Uh, so got the CPA, uh, enjoyed it. I love the financial aspects of business. Uh, really liked the the tax strategy and that that side of it. Um, but realized like my heart was in business. My heart was in small business. So even though I am a CPA, I, I love working with companies, helping them to grow, to scale, to find the things that really work for them uh, and to give them the clarity in their financials that helps them to make good decisions uh, and to, to grow that company at you know insane rates of growth. So uh, that's kind of how I, I came to be. I've had a, a lot of really great opportunities in my life, gotten lucky in a few other things and, and taken some hard lessons, which, uh, you know, they're all learning experiences. Nobody likes to, to have the hard learning experiences, but they are a big piece of how you become who you are. So, uh, you know, I, I'm very grateful for those. Um, but I will say I enjoy the wins way more than the, uh, the learning opportunities. <laughs> well, it's going to be a great conversation because one, yes, you know, the financial piece for any small business is extremely important. Nobody goes into business not to make money. Everybody goes into business to be able to create the income that they desire to create uh, so they can have the lifestyle that they crave, I like to say. And so I think that this is going to be a great topic. And so, you know, where did this passion for, you know, finances come from? You know, I know you said that your family was in the financial uh, business, but, you know, where did that passion, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they shy away from money or finances and different things like that. Many businesses go under because many uh, entrepreneurs are just not really into the numbers like that. Yeah. I mean, they've always been easy ish for me. Uh, like, you know, math was always my, my strong point. I enjoyed it, you know, grew up around it, uh, very young age. Uh, you know, I wanted to make some money. And so I started cutting, yards uh for for my you mm -hmm. know my dad my dad was military 20 plus years military you know it's, it's really hard for him to you know to get in to cut the grass so i said hey mm -hmm. i'll cut it you know just you know pay me some money so started doing that and then reached out to some of the neighbors started cutting their grass i uh, mm -hmm. realized that it was a lot of work uh so had some of my buddies in the neighborhood start doing the the grass cutting for me uh, and I would just collect the money. They didn't want to have that awkward conversation with a homeowner, you know, their neighbor. So I said, hey, look, you mow the grass. I'll collect the money. I'll just keep $5, you know, because it's, you know, my yard. I'll give you the rest. 
and like everybody's happy. So I got my neighborhood, then I got the neighborhood that was adjacent to ours. And so, you know, very quickly, and this was, I started this when I was like 13, 14 years old. So by the time I got to, you know, driving age at 16, I had made enough money from managing this, you know, this process uh, that I was able to buy my first truck. Uh, you know, it, mm. it just worked out really well for me. And so I learned very, very early the art of working smart, not hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, was, <laughs> you know uh, so I was collecting the money and, and they were using their equipment or their parents, you know, uh, equipment, their parents gas, cutting these grass, making money. Uh, you know, and I was making as much, if not more, just on the collections and, and right. managing that process. Uh, so that's kind of how the passion started and, mm. and, you know, took some regular jobs and I kept finding myself which I think is pretty common. I'd find myself like, man, this process could be better. Like we could do this different. This would be better. You know, if we, you know, did this over here, then this would be better, you know, and of course managers and owners, they don't want that. Right. They want right. employees that are going to do what they, you know, like I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Like just do it. Yeah. And so that didn't go over well. Uh, you know, so like, again, not, not a great employee, but uh, I learned very quickly that, you know, you could do a lot of stuff if you're willing to put in the work, put in the hours, uh, you know, you can make great money on your own. Yeah. Uh, and so I tell you, you know, entrepreneurship is the only place you can trade out a 40 hour a week job for a hundred hour a week job. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's still enjoy it. Right. Cause at least it's your own stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you can do that and you're willing to put in that work, uh, you know, you can scale just about anything, like mm -hmm. anything that's a business, you know, if you find a need and you fill it, uh, you're going to find success if you're willing to put in the work for it. So I learned that very quickly. Uh, did that in a number of spaces. Uh, learned a little, you know, a little later in life, not crazy late in life, that you know, the the area that I was very very good at was the financial, the accounting, you know, the tax strategy. Like, if if I could partner with people that knew how to do the work and could manage people, uh, and you know, could could manage those processes, that automation. I could make sure the numbers made sense and I could watch those for them and help them to be significantly, uh, you know, more successful. And so that's kind of how I fell into this niche of fractional CFO work. Yeah, that's good. You know, and this is not even a part of the conversation, but when you were sharing that story, I recently uh, started doing government contracting and what you're talking about in government contracting, they call it the middleman. The yes. middleman wins the contract, but they find subcontractors to carry out the work. And, you know, it's it's an interesting play because you have an opportunity to leverage really your skill of being able to find uh, the contracts or the business, but then also leveraging your skill to find the right subcontractors who can perform the work that ultimately helps you to build your reputation to get more contracts while you're just really managing uh, somewhat the paperwork and overseeing, making sure that the jobs get done. Yeah, That's 100%. truly working smarter than harder, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, 100%. Now, I mean, the, the flip side of that is you're responsible for everything right. that those subcontractors do. Right. And so a lot of people, they'll get into something like that. And if they hit a hitch or, or you know, a, an issue, I mean, you got to be, and you know this, you got to be on the spot. You got to go immediately mm -hmm. into uh, crisis mode, firefighter mode, whatever you want to call it. 
and you got to fix the problem or fix right. whatever the issue is. Uh, and as long as you're willing to do that and you can deal with a little bit of frustrations and you can think fast on your feet, it's a great space to find success, uh, but it's not easy. And so a mm -hmm. lot of people get in and, and you know this, you're in the middle of it. A lot of people get into that and they realize like, well, I thought this was going to be easy. I mean, yeah. if it was easy. Everybody would be doing it, you know, and mm -hmm. it's just not, it's not an easy thing to do. So you got to be very good at, at ma like you said, managing the people, managing the expectations, uh, dealing with any issues that arise in a, in a fast, you know, and, and professional way. Uh, but, you know, it's a great need. It's a great place to go and, and kind of, you know, figure out that process and figure out where you can do. And, and there's really good money in it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you found a lot of success there, but it doesn't, it's not easy. It's not, no, not no. an easy thing to do. So. Not easy, not easy, but it can be very rewarding. And so you mentioned this um, before we hop into the whole topic of working smarter and not harder. You mentioned being a fractional CFO. Share a little bit more about what is a fractional CFO. Yeah, of course. So fractional CFO is essentially taking uh, that, that high level advisement and breaking it down to exactly what you need. So, so many companies as they go through the, the scales of growth, they come to a place where, you know, they've hit kind of a wall and they need to make some changes, they have to shake things up to make it to the next level. And so one of the big scale points is bringing in uh, kind of that executive team. So it's where you go from the what you do to the who's responsible for it, uh, you know, scale range. And so they bring in the executives and so they, they're going to hire a CEO, a COO, a CFO, or they're going to designate those positions if they already have them within the company. So now you have this chief financial officer, CFO, that that's come on, uh, but the company's not really big enough that it's a full-time job. So you're paying two, three hundred grand for a CFO that's probably handling everything from like potentially bookkeeping level stuff all the way up to the high level advisement. And so with the fractional CFO, you're getting that, you know, that 34, you know, the 300, the 400, the 500000 dollars uh, CFO, but you're only getting it in the pieces that you actually need. The 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 high level advisement the direction of the company, and then you have uh, the controller or the accountant, you know, staff accountant, bookkeeper, they're, you know, they're where they need to be within the company uh, doing what they need to do at, at their pay rates or, you know, that cost to the company um, without having this overwhelming large, you know, salary drain uh, when you really don't need that 40 hours a week. So I'm able to come in and be that CFO, uh, you know, a few times, uh, you know, a, a month, you know, maybe once a week and really give that advisement. Look at those KPIs, look at everything that's in the future uh, and help to guide that future and keep them on track without having that heavy burden on the company of, of that high, high level salary uh, that would exist if you were to go from, you know, to the immediately hiring a full time CFO that you really don't even have the hours to justify, you know, a uh, a 10 million, you know, 20 million, you know, dollar company maybe can bring a CFO, but they're probably doing some multi-function stuff. Uh, you know, so having that in a small piece and having that very clear cut direction uh, and some outside visibility into the company is a huge impact on, on the company. Uh, and, you know, it makes a big difference for, for what they're doing. 
So, yeah. so many companies focus on like today and what happened before, you know, but they're not looking forward. They're not looking at their forecast, but mm -hmm. that's really where the CFO comes into place. So I tell people this all the time, like, I, you know, I'm a CPA as well. I do a lot of tax strategy, things of that nature. Right. And then the fractional CFO, people say, well, what's the difference between the CPA and the, and the CFO? I said, well, the CPA looks at where you are today based off of what you did in the past. And the CFO guides your directions in the future. So it's a timeline mm. thing. You know, CPA, hey, this is where we're at. This is how we got here. This is what we need to do. Uh, and then the CFO says, hey, here, here's your vision. And this is how we're going to get to your vision. Right. Nice, nice, nice. So we've dived deep into, you know, things that you do as far as being fractional CFO and you're talking a little bit around what that looks like. And so how do you help? small businesses um, to learn how to work smarter and not harder and yet still be profitable? Yeah, I love that. Great question. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little piece of what you do. So what, where you focus on the, the ultimate mindset, which I think is amazing. It's exactly right. what people need to focus on. If, if you don't have somebody advising you on your mindset, like reach out right here. You, you have the person like you're listening to his podcast. So uh, I, I love the mindset. So what we're doing is we're trying to help the, the business, help the people that are within the business, create the mindset around the finance, the accounting, all of those, you know, the, the monetary pieces of the business. And so as we help them to find the mindset of understanding like revenue is a brag, right? Revenue is mm -hmm. important. You got to have it, but it's your brag. It's what everybody talks about. Oh, I made right. X number of dollars. We sold this, blah, blah, blah. It's amazing. It's great. You got to have revenue. I get it. Uh, but it's a brag. Profit, you know, is, mm -hmm. is really, that's the money you get to take home. So to me, that's the soft brag, but it's right. the one that really matters. Like, yes. you know, this is the money I'm keeping. Like that's way more important. So get them in the mindset of what the profit is and how you go from, you know, where you're at with the revenue to maximizing that profitability and then the last piece is the cash flow, which is the lifeblood. It's the breath of your business. Like it's the oxygen that it needs to live. And so if you don't have good cash flow control, if you don't know where your cash flow is going, you know, what's coming in, what's going out, the timing of that, uh, that business can't thrive. You know, right. if you if you're getting a whole bunch of oxygen at one time, it can be overwhelming. If you're not getting enough oxygen, you can't really do what you need to get done. And so that cash flow has to be right throughout the life of the business. It has, you know, you have to manage it. You have to know where it's at. You have to know where it's coming from. Uh, it's very, very important. So we help them to get their mindset around away from the revenue. Revenue does matter. You got to have money coming in. But we try to change the mindset to, hey, let's look at your profit. Let's maximize your profit. You know, by minimizing the expenses where we can, managing the metrics that allow us to get our, our profitability up. And then let's also keep in mind, we have to constantly be breathing. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is we have to constantly be paying attention to the cash flow. Because if we ignore the cash flow and we stop breathing, it doesn't matter how much revenue we have, that business is not going to continue. Yeah, I tell you all the time. Yeah. If you don't have the cash to cover payroll, I don't care how great your business is. Your employees aren't coming in the next day. You know, like, I mean, they want to get paid, right? So we have to make sure that the cash flow is good. And so it's, it's again, stealing a little bit from you, but it's a mindset issue. You know, we, we need you to be in the mindset of paying attention to stuff. You don't have that's, to be an expert, but you got to have the mindset to pay attention. That's good. You know, and you brought up something that I have always felt like, 
and I never heard it the way you said it, but I've always felt like generated revenue is not the conversation I want to have. <laughs> and the reason is, is because it is a brag. Like there's so many people who talk about how much revenue they created in their business. But I always have the question in my head, but how much did you keep? Right? What good is it to generate multi-million dollars of revenue in your business and yet at the same time your uh, expenses or your liabilities are the same or if not more than what you brought in? What kind of business is that? Yeah. 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 We, uh, we've got a, a client uh, when we first started working with this, uh, this individual and his business, you know, he was making phenomenal money. Uh, the revenue was huge. I mean, when I think we came in, it was around 14 million wow. uh, in revenue, which is fantastic. And so we're looking at it, we're going through the numbers, you know, and we see like all these loans. We're like, well, you know, what is this? Like, what's this for? What's this for? You know, so it's got a really nice car, fully loaned out, you know, it's not paid for, you know, like he rents. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, well, you need to put some money into real estate. You know, right. there's, you know, oh man, by the time I pay the tax man, there's nothing left. So we're looking at his stuff. And I mean, he was like a couple hundred grand taken home at the end of the day. And I'm like, you're doing $14 million, you know, and you're, you're taking home like a basic salary. Like this is your company. You should be doing phenomenally better. And so we looked at his numbers, we, we looked at the cash flow, we look at all this stuff, we're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get this stuff paid down, we're going to start allocating out. So we gave him the tax strategy, we looked at the key KPIs, we looked at the metrics that were there, raised them up. And so his, his revenue, since we started working with him, he still hasn't even doubled his revenue, right? So we're, we're still working on going from the 14 to the 28, we're not quite there yet, we hit about 25 last year. Uh, but he has gone from a couple hundred grand to $4 million a year in profitability. Mm. Wow. So that'd be just like night and day difference. So we have increased that, but he was, you know, single digits profitability, horrible. Mm -hmm. And so now he operates at around a 25% profitability ratio, right? You know, That's about 20, 22, 23. So, I mean, night and day difference is invested in real estate. You know, things are paid off. The bills aren't really there. He's expanding his empire uh, and, and his personal empire, but the, the business still does what it did before. But instead of focusing so much on this growth, this revenue piece, he's still cultivating that, you know, it's still important, but he changed his focus from revenue to profit. And mm -hmm. I, I'm telling you, a thousand times happier. I mean, when you talk about somebody that's trying to do everything, like in a $14 million business, he's trying to wear every hat. He was trying to do every job, you know, and he was paying so much for things that just didn't matter because he wasn't looking at them. You know, do I need this? Okay, yes, let's do it and I'll pay for it. But then not looking at the ROI, return on investment for it, not really paying attention to what's going out and what he's getting in return. And so when we focused on that and started increasing that profit, much happier. He has a, I mean, he's more than doubled his staff, like has tons of people working for him and he's still making so much more money. Like, I mean, 15 X what he was in profit, right? Like it's crazy how much more money he makes. Uh, but that's, that's what happens. We, we start building a business, we get super invested in it, you know, and, and we don't pay ourselves. 
Mm -hmm. or not paying attention to it, you know, and then you're, you know, you're at the restaurant, you're at the bar, you're at the church, wherever you go to socialize and what comes up, what, how much money did you make? What's how much money did you make? Yeah. That's yes. the, yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody says how much are you keep, you know, mm. like, what are you, what are you taking home after you pay your taxes? What do you take? You know, like that's not the conversation, but that's yeah. what the conversation should be. Should that's be. exactly what the conversation should be. Yeah. Are you a corporate executive or career professional who's ready to take your life back? ready to take your time back and you've thought about becoming a coach a speaker a trainer or consultant in your own business well i want to invite you to schedule a brand maximization discovery session so that i can help you to uncover that expertise and learn how to properly package yourself in an online based business I'm Markeith Brayton, personal brand strategist and master lifestyle coach, who's all about helping corporate executives and career professionals to maximize and monetize their personal brand online so that they can create a location-free business and live the life that they crave. What I know for sure is that you want to be doing something that's fulfilling and that's exciting and that provides great value to the world. You want to make a greater impact on the lives of individuals. And you know that if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get the results that you've always got. So schedule a brand maximization discovery session by going to my website, markeithbrayton.com forward slash consultation. That's markeithbrayton.com forward slash consultation. And let's maximize and monetize your personal brand. Yeah, that conversation around, you know, generated revenue versus profit, I tell you, sometimes it gets under my skin, but I understand, like you said, it's a revenue brag. And so, you know, my audience likes pretty much, you know, that step-by-step, -step, you know, tip one, tip two, tip three. And so let's just hop in there. What's the first thing that one needs to do to work smarter, not harder, and still be profitable that you would recommend? Okay. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I would say the number one thing is we need to know what is having the biggest effect on our business. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through a KPI study. It's a key performance indicator study, or if you're familiar with EOS, we're looking for the rocks. So what are the metrics that are really having the greatest impact on our business? And so you, you can't do this and look at these things like a whole bunch at a time. So what we're going to do is we go through this process. We say, okay, what has the biggest effect on our business? So if you're a big sales company, you know, then clearly it's going to be uh, the number of leads you have coming in so that you can, you know, sell more product if you're uh, uh, or sell more services. If you're a product-based company, then, you know, it, it may be the cost of the supplies uh, or the vendors. Um, could be how many people you're able to sell to. So whatever that looks like, what are the big factors in your business that really have the greatest impact? Sometimes they're expenses. So if you're a, a, a heavy staffed service-based business, the cost of your labor is going to have a huge impact. So we need to look at all of these things. We need to label all those out. And I always suggest write out like 20 of them and then start eliminating. So I would say no more than 10 
and no less than say five. So that's the sweet spot. Eliminate down so you're under 10. If you still feel like all 10 have an impact, you're probably good. If you get to 10 and you're like, eh, you know, maybe not this one, maybe not this one, at least five impacts. And then start to uh, manage those. So look at those, those five to 10 and make changes specifically in that and see how it affects the whole entire business. So now we know what the results of that KPI are. And if we know what that result is, now we know that we can move that and adjust that as our business uh, grows and scales, we know what that KPI is that we need to focus on. And so as you look at those, I want you to put those in three categories. Are they revenue-based? Are they profit-based? Or are they cash flow based Because all of those are going to have an impact. Sometimes they can affect you know, more than one, but generally they have an impact either on the revenue, creation of money, you know, how much money's coming in, profit, what you're spending, you know, like what, what are you spending that allows us to have the profit left over right. or it's a cash flow, you know, where it affects what's coming in, what's going out and the timing of that. So I would say that's the number one uh, thing that you need to be looking at as far as working harder, not smarter. I know that was kind of a long explanation. Yeah, no, so it's I'll okay. Super- <laughs> and go, so when I'll you, when you say that though, when you say the biggest impact, we, what do you mean biggest impact of generating revenue, biggest impact that may be taking up your time? Because when I think about my business, I think that right now the, the biggest impact in my business is time, meaning that right now, if I'm not doing it, it's not going to get done. And yes. so I feel like that addressing that frees me up to be more the talent to bring in more money while others or I have other people or maybe virtual assistants or what have you doing some of the legwork so that I can do more of the bringing in money. So when can you kind of clarify what do you mean biggest impact? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to answer that, but I love what you said because that, that goes right into number two. So that was okay. a perfect throw into number two. Sure. Uh, so when, when I talk about the biggest impact, I'm like, yeah, time is huge. If you're a solo, uh, solo entrepreneur uh, or if you're kind of starting a business, um, you're kind of in that, that initial stage where there's not a lot of people it 100% probably has the biggest impact on your time because mm-hmm. we everybody does this. We trade time for money. We trade money for time. When you're starting a business, right. you're trading time for money, right? When you've scaled to the point that you know, you've hit your dreams, you know where you're at, now you're starting to trade money for time. So you mm-hmm. give up money to have more time back, which again leads us into number two. But when I'm talking about the biggest impact, it's not a, it's not 100% time, although time in the beginning is 100% what it is. Uh, it's not profit, it's not cash flow, it's not revenue. It can be any of those, any, anything that has a major impact on you. There's a great uh, study that, that a lot of people do and they write down what it is that's standing in our way. And this is more of a brainstorming session, but you get out of pad and you write down, okay, what is standing in the way of me uh, obtaining my dreams, mm-hmm. uh, of me like being successful, whatever it is, what's standing in your way? So we write these things down so that we have now visualized them, right? And now we can, you know, we have them on paper, they're real, so that we can look at them and say, okay, how am I going to overcome this, right? Yeah. And so when we do that, we 
we take it out of the realm of like maybe possibility and man, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing out your, this is hundred percent you, you're the mindset person. So I don't know why I'm telling you this stuff, but like we, we have visualized it. So we've taken it and now we know how to deal with it. So we've mm-hmm. adjusted our mindset to our issues and now we can say, okay, that's what it is. How do I, how do I deal with it? How do I overcome mm-hmm. it? Right? So now our mindset mindset has shifted from it's holding me back to this is how I'm going to overcome it. And I think yeah. that's huge. like, you've got to have that section. Uh, so again, I appreciate the intro right in number two, number two is the who, uh, mm. so who's involved in the organization, uh, who handles what and who's responsible for what and who is under them, who are they responsible for? So okay. you can't build a team unless you have a hierarchy. It's the reason like the, the military exists and there's a very strict hierarchy in it is because if the lowest level person in the military went to the generals and said, hey, I got a question about blah, 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 the whole thing falls apart. So we have to start building that hierarchy. And when you're when you first start out in business and it's just you, you're wearing all the hats. You know, you're the you're the operations guy, you're the finance guy, you're the sales guy, you're the tech guy, you're the marketing guy, you're everything. So you've had all these hats on. And so the second thing is outlining all of these, and maybe you got to write your name in all of those, right? But you got to outline all of those. And I think it's a great process to say, okay, what am I really, really good at? Okay, write that stuff down. What am I really, really bad at? Put that stuff over here. What do I enjoy doing? Okay, well, maybe there's going to be things that you enjoy and you're good at. Those are great. Hold on to those. Maybe there's things you're really good at and you hate them. All right. So that's something you probably want to give away at some point, but you're still good at it. So you're probably the best person for it. There are many things you're like, I'm, I'm really bad at this and I really hate it. Like that's the first thing to give away. Like that's your first hire, hire a person for that. Right. Like I'm horrible at marketing. So like that would be my first hire. Like, you know, get somebody to do this. I don't understand it. I don't, you know, like the Google algorithm changes every week. Facebook changes every week. Like I'm going to pay somebody to do that. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. So find out the who, start creating that hierarchy so people know who they're responsible for, and then help them to move up in the in the company. So if you've hired somebody in for marketing and they say, hey, I really want to be your CMO, your chief marketing officer. Awesome. I need you to build a team, train them to do what you do so that you can step up and take on a higher level of functionality. And then I need you to continue to be responsible for those people. So if you want to be CMO, I need a five person team underneath you that we are completely cost justifying those five people. You're completely responsible for those people. And I don't, and I'm not saying you don't want to talk to them, but like you shouldn't be talking to them. You should be talking to your CMO that handles all the people underneath them, right? And do that for all the different divisions in your company. And that's how you will scale because you have solid people underneath you that have solid people underneath them and hopefully solid people underneath them. And it grows out like that. Mm-hmm. That's how the organization grows. So I would say that's the number two, look at your who, which mm-hmm. great intro again, by the way, <laughs> that was amazing. So are uh, you, are you a proponent uh, of, cause I hear people say this all the time, hire before you're ready. Yes. hundred okay. percent. So mm-hmm. I, I have to monetize it though. Like that's just me. I have to monetize everything. Mm-hmm. So I use revenue per employee, uh, to monetize this. And so I do want to hire before I'm ready, but I want to make sure that we're in a space of doing that. So what I'm looking at, I'm looking at the total revenue of the company and I'm going to divide that by the number of employees I have. 
and every industry has a different range, but roughly the range is like, you know, 200 uh, to 500,000. So, uh, you know, whatever you're in, it needs to be in that range. So let's say that you're in an industry where your range is say two to 300,000. So at 200,000, right, you probably don't need to hire anybody, right? Okay. You're, you're kind of at the minimum. Uh, if you drop below that, we need to look at the efficiencies of the people we have. Maybe you have somebody not pulling their weight. Maybe you got to mm. let somebody go. Uh, I'm a big fan of this one too. It doesn't happen every time, but the person that replaces the person you let go is almost always better than the person you let go. Um, so don't be scared to let people go if they're not doing what they need to do. More mm. than likely, the person that replaces them is going to be better. Uh, so if you're under the 200, that tells me, hey, I need to find efficiencies or I got to let somebody go, as painful as that is. If I'm at 300,000 or I'm creeping up on 300,000, I don't want to go above 300,000 because now I'm stressing out the people that I have. People are getting stretched too far and we have the room, we have the capacity to bring somebody in. So before I go over 300,000, let's bring somebody or bring two people in, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to drop back down. You're probably going to drop to the 200, maybe even below the 200, but let's bring somebody in so that we can very quickly hit 300,000 again, because we're going to find the efficiencies. And so everybody's job gets a little bit smaller, right? Because they don't have so many responsibilities, but they're going to become more specialized. And so they're going to, they're going to lose some of the things that they don't enjoy, or they're not very good at that's gets pushed off on other people, but now they're more specialized and they're going to be more efficient with the things that they enjoy and that they're good at doing. Okay. And so, yes, I agree a thousand percent hire before you're ready, but do it smart. Like make sure you have the metrics that make sense. Cause if you're just going to hire everybody, like, you know, then try to like find a job for them. That doesn't work. So like, make sure you have a plan, I guess, in place is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know That's that good. Sense. That's good. Yeah. And then the third thing that we should be doing to, in order to work harder and not smarter. So the third thing is very simple. Get out of your business. Mm, get, get out. out of your business wow yeah, after you find out. the who it makes sense once you find the who get out of the way wow get out of the way. yeah find the right people put them in place get out the business doesn't need you to be in it anymore you've grown you've scaled you found the profit that you need you've created the cash flow plan that you need so that your your business has the breath has the lifeblood that it needs to exist get out so be over top of your business, get out of the business and start working on the business or okay. some alternative to it. You know, you have to be above it, looking down from the outside in. And now you have a completely different perspective on your business. You trust the people that you've hired in, that you've trained to do their jobs and to do it well. And now you're overseeing it. And mm -hmm. when you're overseeing a profitable business, and you're doing it from the outside looking in, it's very easy. Well, I won't say it's easy. It's easier, easier to understand the business and understand what you need to do to make it better, right? And you can be constantly improving or you take some time to yourself. You enjoy your family time so that maybe, you know, you're not putting 60, 80 hours a week in anymore. Maybe you're only putting 20, 30, but that 20, 30 is very, very strategic you know, and you're, you're energized because you've spent time with your family. You've spent time with your friends. You've done the things that you enjoy doing. You're involved in the charity or whatever it is that, that really, you know, uh, fills you up on the inside. And so now when you're very strategically going back to the business, you're doing it with major purpose. 
yeah. and you're going to make really good decisions when you can do that. So again, know your metrics, build your metrics, find the right people, and then get out. Don't be in there. So that's, that's, that's my three. <laughs> Those are good. Those are really good. You know, and I have uh, many people who talk about getting out of your business. The question that popped in my head, do you think that this also works for businesses like mine that are more personal brand driven? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Because if you have the right people underneath you that are doing your process, then now you're just managing all of this top piece. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when people get with you, if, and how do I say that? So let me, I'm going to try to explain this. Well, if, if every single time, uh, if I'm working with your company and every time I have an issue, I speak to you, right. I'm not going to value that as much Mm. as if I work with your team Mm. 90% of the time and only 10% of the time it's you and me. When you and I have that, that 10% of the time, I know you built it and all these are your people that you trained. So I know that 10% is crazy valuable and I'm going to be a hundred percent focused in on you for that 10%. And the impact is going to be so much greater than if a hundred percent of my time is with you. I don't value it as highly, not saying it's not valuable. And that's why I was trying to make sure I, I said it correctly. It's still valuable, but if it's limited, now I'm going to really, really, really value the time I spend with you. Wow. This has been a great conversation. We've actually gone a little bit longer than normal, but hey, that's some great stuff. Things that I'm going to be thinking about even after uh, this interview. And so let the people know, you know, how can we learn more about you? Where can we find you online? Find more about your product services and things that you have to offer. Yeah, no, I love it. So uh, the easiest way to find me is is CFOAF.com. Uh, so Chief Financial Officer, you know, CFOAF. It stands for exactly what you think it does. Uh, so CFOAF.com, uh, fastest way to find me. I'm on all the social medias, but I talk about finance and money and monetary stuff. So nowhere near as fun as watching puppies or cats fight. So I probably not going to just pop up on your feed, but you can find me on the on the social media, uh, you know, all the different platforms. Uh, you know, I, I try to do a lot of podcasts, but yeah, if you go to CFOAF, uh, there's a link there so you can set up a, a call with me or somebody on my team. Um, we have courses that we that we put out. Uh, so if you're if you're just starting out and you're wanting to really kind of focus in on the growth and like learning your numbers, uh, we have some we have some uh, much more affordable options than directly working with me uh, there. Um, but man, I'm always down for a phone call. Uh, you know, so if you if you just need a quick you know, quick uh, advice on something or just quick insight on something, hit me up. Happy to do it. Uh, I'm a huge dork. So I'm, I'm heavily involved in the crypto, the NFT space. Uh, so if you just want to dork out and, uh, and learn some stuff on that, I'm, I'm, I do podcasts on that and I talk about it pretty regularly. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's the easiest way to get in touch with me is just go to the website and hit me up there or, or follow me on any of the social medias. Uh, I'm on there. Uh, you know, I should probably have like cats fighting at the bottom of all my videos. I'd probably uh, have a million more followers by now. But uh, yeah, I, I'm there if you if you can find me. <laughs> well, Byron, I want to thank you for joining me for uh, this episode. Great information. Like I said, I'm going to be thinking about some of. Actually, I'm going to spend some time this weekend to really kind of write some things out and and start thinking of some things because I know that I do need to at least bring on 
one person, even if it's just a, a, a VA that can handle some of these things. So I appreciate you uh, sharing the information and joining us. What did you think about today's episode? Share in the comments, share in the um, notes by leaving us a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app, because we would love to know what you thought about today's episode. If you're not subscribed yet to the Maximize Your Brand podcast, all you have to do is go to your favorite podcasting app. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. and We're asking you to just go ahead. Hey, stop shacking up with us and listening to all of our content. Go ahead and subscribe to the Maximize Your Brand podcast. also have a free gift for you if you are interested in building a profitable personal brand that replaces your professional job or corporate job income. Have a free gift for you that kind of gets you started on that path. You can grab my free shift your brand checklist PDF. All you have to do is text the word maximize to one eight seven seven six four zero five six three two. Once again, that's one eight seven seven six four zero five six three two. I'm always appreciative of you joining us each and every week, and this week is no different. I'm just so ecstatic that you decide to take the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And so until next week, just remember this, always shoot for the top because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. Take care.